Welcome to the Alternative Data Podcast. Welcome to the Alternative Data Podcast, powered by Exabel. I'm Mark Fleming-Williams. In this episode, I speak to Mathieu Collat of Stars Data, the Paris-based external data community. In our conversation, Mathieu and I discuss the future of data discovery and how Stars might be the solution that the market has needed. I'm now back from paternity leave and the cupboard is looking a little bare, so please reach out if you would like to propose yourself or another guest for the podcast preferably not somebody who has been on already. So in this episode, I'm joined by Mathieu Collas of Stars Data. Thank you very much for joining us today, Mathieu. Thanks for the invitation, Mark. You're very welcome. Um, so, Mathieu, you are in Paris, as the eagle-eared listeners may be able to have already detected your your French accent and, and name. Um, uh, Stars Data is 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 a Paris-based um, company, which is um, all part of my continuing mission to uh, to spread more light onto the European alternative data scene. So, um, so that that and 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 that is one of many reasons that I'm that I'm very pleased to have you on on the on the show. Um, Mathieu, why don't we start? Why doesn't why, why isn't the best way to begin to yeah. why don't you just introduce Stars Data briefly? What is what does Stars Data do? What is the product? Stars Data actually is a is a community platform. Um, what we want to do is make it easy for everyone to to find the best sources of data, and whatever your technical background, um, what um, we're trying to do is is basically solve the, this big problem. Let me tell you a story about a kid because when I was a kid, I loved playing Legos. You know, maybe did, did you like to play Legos also, Mark? Fairly. When you play Legos, when you have three or four Legos, it's okay. But I remember my room; I had lots of Legos, and it was kind of tricky, you know, to think about what I could do with uh, with so many Legos. And the point is that if you think about external data, it's exactly the same that happens today. Um, there are thousands, if not millions, of data sources uh, available today. Um, and if you think about the human brain, it's impossible uh, to know all of these sources and uh, have an idea of what you can do uh, with all of these sources. So here came up the, the idea of creating this community platform um, that is paired along with a, a recommendation engine to uh, make it easy for everyone to find the best sources of data and to assemble them um, so that you can answer simple or very complex questions. But um, I trust we talk about this during the podcast. Okay, so you've already given a so you're, you're a community platform. There's a it's it's you're a community platform. Um, you've already used the phrase external data, which immediately makes us think um, that this could be have a corporate slant um, because if we're talking investors, usually talk about alternative data. So. Um, you are a. Uh, would you would you describe yourselves as a as a as a marketplace for external data for the specifically um, focused towards the corporate sector? Yes, actually, my background is uh, strategy consulting. Um, so I, I started strategy consulting twenty years ago, and you know, strategy consulting firms do not have first party data. So we we do have, you know. Uh, Dex and uh, knowledge share, sharing platform that we use to, to spread the knowledge. But in the essence, um, strategy consulting firms do not have first-party data and they mm -hmm. have to find external data. 
So when I started my career, it was uh, in two, uh, 2001. Basically, we uh, at this time, we uh, we had a couple of Ubers, uh, Factiva, and so on. We used that quite well, actually, and then came Google. And since Google came, actually, we uh, we had the opportunity to use myriads of sources. But two decades afterwards, uh, I realized that actually the situation was worse than uh, when I started my, my career. And so here came, came the idea, basically, to ease this access to... Um, uh, alternative uh, sources of data. So I never spoke about alternative data, um, which is very specific, um, tied to uh, the, the financial services community. So it's more about finding alternative sources of data that you can use to answer questions such as, um, you know, knowing more about uh, companies uh, you want to uh, engage with for M&A or for strategic partnership, optimize supply chain um, uh, networks, for, for instance. So. We have an expertise uh, within Stars Data to quickly identify um, the data providers of the sources of data that fit uh, with the use case, um, and then make sure that uh, people who do not have a particular knowledge of data engineering and so on uh, can use this data efficiently. You so you were working in strategy consulting for, and you were um, using external data. You were basically, and I've actually had McKinsey on this on this podcast yeah. um, talking, and so presumably doing a similar similar role. But you were talking all the way back in two thousand one. So, um, so you, I'm intrigued by. Let's just talk very briefly, if we can, about the strategy consultants um, and their use of data, because I'm intrigued by the fact that they have the potential to have so much data coming through them. Um, I'm, so I'm just going to lay a theory on you, which is that um, in the, in the, in the, since, you know, in the last century, um, then the centers of information and communication were probably the banks because that's where the money was flowing. And so they had the best intelligence. Um, I feel like here we are in 2022 and the banks don't feel like they are going to currently don't feel like they're going to be the center of the data world. And so I'm wondering what might be the center of the data world. And I'm wondering if the strategy consultants have the ability to see so much data uh, through their clients, essentially through their, through their clients kind of um, on their client's account um, that they, whether they might be the center. Have you got to, will you humor me and, and uh, give any thoughts on that? Yeah, I have a couple of thoughts on, on this. The first one is that, you know, the, the comparison with uh, Legos is, is quite interesting because um, you can buy bricks of Legos, you know, if you want to build a house and so on. But actually, if you think about strategy consultants, they do not have the time to go to the supermarket uh, and choose the, the best bricks to, uh, to, to, uh, to build the house with uh, Legos. So what they tend to do is uh, to, uh, to rely on boxes uh, available. So, you know, if you go to a supermarket, you will have the... Um, uh, the Harry Potter boxes and the Star Wars boxes and, and so on. And what strategy consulting firms tended to do over the last decade is basically to buy these uh, uh, on-the-shelf boxes like uh, PitchBook, for instance. I know that PitchBook is quite popular uh, among strategy consultants. The problem is that once you buy the license to such boxes uh, of data, they tend to be underused, uh, actually, uh, within strategy consulting firms. Strategy consultant is a world where you basically answer, you know, RFPs. Uh, you have to provide your proposals in a couple of days. Um, the setup of the case is um, is very quick. Um, so you have to 
very quickly identify the sources of data. If you think about the, the financial services environment, so um, big hedge funds uh, set it up um, some teams in charge of sourcing data. And actually, the, the time uh, available to build up such infrastructure to access external data is actually longer than in strategy consulting firm. So that's, you know, the bad side of strategy consulting. Um, you have to uh, uh, very quickly identify the sources of data. Um, the other bad side is that um, strategy consulting firms are very much decentralized. Um, I also listened to your podcast uh, on McKinsey, and mm. such as you know McKinsey, BCG, they have fantastic teams. Uh, the name for BCG is Knowledge Team, and actually those teams are in charge of mutualizing uh, the internal knowledge as well as interacting with uh, um, with external data providers. But actually, what uh, we realize is that um, the sophistication required um, from clients uh, has increased massively over the past five years. One of the reasons is that um, the private equity uh, business in strategy consulting firm is, uh, is really high. And so, um, you know, you have many due diligences um, mm -hmm. happening and still, I think, uh, at the moment. And basically, when you run a due diligence, um, you have to frame up the questions and Strategy consulting firms are amazing uh, for, for doing this. And afterwards, you have to identify the information. So give you an example. We have uh, many requests at the moment uh, to um, provide information about uh, transportation flows. Um, so it can be um, uh, transportation flows of individuals. So um, what is the number of individuals moving from Paris uh, to, to Nantes and how many take the train versus uh, the car? Um, we have some requests on uh, supply chain. Um, if you think about the traffic between France and UK, how many trucks go uh, um, through the channel? How many take the ferry? How many take Eurotunnel? Where do they come from and so on? So actually the level of sophistication has increased a lot. And it's a fantastic playground for ourselves because uh, we see strategy consultants both as you know early adopters of our services, but also as um, an illustration of the requirements of uh, the corporates, uh, actually. So for this reason, for us, it's very interesting to to work with strategy consulting firms. Also, mm. so it's a, it's a huge challenge because the level of expectations is very high, very very high for for these clients. Okay, brilliant. So let's get specific about Stars Data. So you saw a niche in the market. You saw the need to um, uh, your with your Lego analogy. How how does Stars Data work? To describe the firm. Yeah, so actually we have um, three sets of activities. The first one is uh, the, the historical one. Um, we basically had this niche, I would say, service activity with um, strategy consulting firms because our role is basically to uh, hunt the data, but to bring uh, the data to be instantly consumed by um, the consultants. So you need mm -hmm. basically to, you know, be able to identify the right data providers, uh, speak about budgets, because even though you know the clients, the end clients are actually paying for the data, you have to, to stick to certain amount. And, and you have to make sure that the level of quality at the end is going to be sufficient um, with the expectations of the, the strategy consultancies. So we basically had this first line of activity where we hunt the data and we prepare it exactly um, so that it can be used uh, by consultants with zero knowledge on data engineering and zero knowledge on data science. 
And we realized that there, there was a potential basically to, uh, to scale this activity and that we could not um, uh, stick with a pure service model. Um, so that's the reason. How why do you, yes? this is, this is interesting, Mathieu. How do you, um, so let's, let's just dwell and it's kind of out of interest um, as much as, as much as from, from Stars Day's perspective, how do you hunt for um, a data set? If, if say you've got a strategy consultant who says, look, um, our client, uh, our client um, needs a certain type of data set. Um, are you talking about generally looking for a data set which is clearly available on the market or are you talking about uncovering a data set which hasn't yet been um uh which hasn't yet been monetized so the first thing mark is that none of our clients is coming with the question of i want this category this category of data actually um clients come with um, a use case i want to answer a question so that's the, the first thing and we uh, you know we have to provide some education to the clients on what type of data can answer a question? Because um, let me give you an example. We had this request for um, a consulting firm. They are working with a software provider and it's a kind of niche software and they need to think about uh, the distribution strategy across 70 countries and they need to identify the companies uh, who are best positioned to distribute this software. So it's a, it's a really complex business. And so that's the, the, the question. Please help us uh, identify the, the most promising distributors uh, for this uh, software editor. And in this purpose, um, you can use, uh, for instance, uh, sources such as ZoomInfo, uh, typically, or Clearbit. Uh, these companies provide standard uh, firmographic data, which is, by the way, very useful at risk for consultants. Um, usually, they discover this type of information. Mm. The second part is that um, this... This type of question can be answered in a more sophisticated way because if you think about distribution, it's uh, about uh, sales forces, so number of salespeople. And actually, typically for this kind of request, we come up to the client and say, well, um, we can play with the, uh, a data provider based in California consolidating 1.6 billion uh, profiles. I know that you talked to them. <laughs> no. I did. And, and what's interesting with this data provider, uh, which is People Data Labs, uh, for, for the one who did not listen to this fantastic <laughs> podcast, what's amazing is that you know, with People Data Labs, we, ha um, we have the, the number of, um, of people spread across countries, number of people spread across roles, uh, the, um, the evolution, you know, of the tenure uh, of, of the people. And if you think about segmenting um, your growth strategy and identifying the most promising uh, companies to distribute your software, it's, uh, it's amazing. And so that's a way, basically, as a consultant, to multiply your impact by 10 because you have access to an information no one is aware of at the moment. So to answer your question, mm. actually, it's a matter of uh, speaking about the use case with the, the consultants and then bringing up some alternative ways to answer the question that are not available through public sources. Which is so where your strategy consulting background comes in handy because you're very good at understanding the problem in the first place and then your knowledge of the of the data world will um, will suit you to be to be making that match very well. So that sounds that so use case number one um, makes sense. I can see it. What's what's number two? Use case number two is actually um, checking the quality of the data. And um, so if you think about the, the, the financial services environment, um, I know that McKinsey talked about this was 
very much interesting. It's, you know, traditionally, it's a matter of uh, checking the, the coverage of the data. So if you think about hedge funds and so on, it's uh, about checking the number of tickers uh, available from, uh, from the data vendors. But actually moving ahead with strategy consulting firms and also, you know, other companies like corporate uh, companies, coverage is, is important, but actually it's dynamic. Uh, most data vendors are investing a lot, you know, to, to grow their data referential. And we do think that, you know, it's important to check the coverage, but beforehand you need to have some um, feedbacks on the quality of the data, or feedbacks about um, the level of services from the data providers, clarity of licenses uh, and so on. So use case number two is that uh, we have launched this platform, which is a trip advisor of data, uh, actually that um, scans every data vendors, every open data sources uh, available and make it possible to share feedbacks about those sources. Um, so far, we did that internally. So we had our own uh, basically feedbacks from clients and we did not share that with, uh, with the public. But actually moving ahead, we realized that it would be much more efficient to share that these feedbacks uh, across an open community um, because it will help us scale, of course, but because every clients are asking for it and every data vendors are asking for feedbacks. Um, if you ask data vendors about the importance of rating and feedbacks, um, we run a survey and um, on a scale uh, between 1 and 10, 80% of the data vendors said it's between nine and ten. The importance of ratings and feedbacks for the, for them. And actually, mm -hmm. if you look at the platforms available today, um, it's very hard to to find feedbacks about data vendors and open data sources. So use case number two is basically help clients quickly identify by themselves um, the opportunity of using external data and make it possible to share feedbacks uh, across uh, a wide community. I can see how, and, and forgive me if I'm speaking with more of a kind of alternative data investors head on, which is uh, generally could be a, a rather more suspicious and mistrustful head. Um, and I'm thinking that uh, a lot of what data can be used for and a lot of the opportunity in data is about getting an edge over your competitor. So that's very clear in the in the financial space, you know, that that if you find a good data set, the last thing you want to do is point at it for everyone else to see that it's a really good data set. But but I wonder if that extends to the corporate world as well in terms of using it, using external data to understand your competition, for example. Do you want to say this was a really useful data set for understanding my competition? Isn't there an element of secrecy kind of baked into this world as well? Yeah, um yeah, I'm aware of that, Mark, and this this notion of uh, of alpha uh, generation is uh, is core to uh, to alternative data, and I would say that alternative data is meant to answer this specific use case, which is on on creating alpha. But if you think about the corporate world, about strategy consulting firm and so on, of course they want to preserve the secrecy on the data sources they're they're using but if you look at bain and company for instance um, they make no secret about partnership with large data providers um, if you look at oliver wyman i think that they um, announced a partnership with uh, cdp uh, which is a, a provider of uh, uh, of climate uh, climate data so I do, I do think and I see uh, from our clients that preserving secrecy on the data sources is, um, 
is not anymore actually uh, a factor of competition as it is actually in um, in, a, in the financial services world. Mm. Okay, um, and so you are so essentially we're talking a kind of review system. You, are we talking kind of are we talking comments or are we talking something a little bit more kind of structured than that, like a like a kind of a set of numbers? No, comments are already available. Actually, uh, I, I think that some uh, marketplaces do, do do that possible. But the problem is that um, data you cannot rate data as you would rate um, Lego boxes, um, for, for instance. Um, rating data requires some specific criteria. So think about coverage, fresh, freshness, and so on. The clarity of the licenses scheme is very important, clarity of the pricing and so on. So that requires a specific approach for, for rating. And it requires some context because, you know, if you think about um, using uh, credit card data, um, for instance, so in some cases for alpha generation can be very powerful. And for other cases, if you think about pricing optimization, for instance, it might not uh, be sufficiently qualitative for end users. So what's important for data is to take into account um, the sector of application, making a difference if you use the data for you know, financial services or retail or consulting, and also take into account the use case of application. So that's what we do with, uh, with our review system. And actually, that's you know, the expectation for both data consumers and data vendors. Actually, data vendors are very much inclined to um, you know, um, involve their current users if actually the, the questionnaire is sufficiently structured and serious uh, to be shared with, uh, with new customers. And actually, we discovered that um, end users, they prefer to, uh, to have something longer in terms of you know, questionnaire, but very well structured than having just like two or three questions and the comment section. So that's how we make a difference with both data consumers and data vendors. But so and so, do we end up? Are there certain um, you know? Are there certain headings that, that you're 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 saying that you're aware of use case and and user and and so you can't fully compare um, apples apples with apples in all cases. But are there certain things which you're you know core things that you always measure? I I, I suspect kind of reliability would be something which everyone would be interested in or something like that have, have you got a kind of set of basic measures which are just going to be you know across the board yeah in terms of measure what we um the what we have in terms of approach is basically on one side you have this um well engineering well engineering uh, engineered sorry that's my French. Uh, this well engineered mm -hmm. uh, rating system on one side, on the other side, make it possible for clients um, and end consumers to taste uh, the, the data. So that's the use case number three. That's something we're going to release um, in Q3 uh, of this year. So that's the ability basically to um, get access to the data or sample of data uh, directly from the API of the data providers. Uh, that's, that's very important. And you know, in terms of decision making, um, I advise the listeners to um, to have a look on the latest uh, IDC study from um, so the latest study from IDC on marketplaces and external data. By the way, you should receive Lynn Schneider uh, on the podcast for, for that. It's um, mm. it, it's pretty clear on the expectation from the end users. So I'm not speaking about the the hedge funds and the alpha hunters, but more about the the corporate uh, buyers. Mm. 
they are looking for um, feedbacks from queues and actually the ability to taste and try the, the, the data. The only constraints is basically to make sure that you know we we stay compliant all across the board. Um, very recently in the US, um, I guess you you all heard about this um, problem with location data. Um, mm. So you know with safe graph data being used by researchers and making it possible to uh, identify uh, who is going to abortion centers and where do uh, the, the the people live in actually so. There, there is a compliance uh, thing that needs to be addressed um, with a classical approach, you know, of making the data available for downloads for to everyone and so on. That doesn't work, and so we're going to release uh, a console uh, available for uh, people working in companies, making sure that you can taste the data before actually buying it. Nice, um, Mathieu. So, would you put yourself? Um, uh, as a competitor to to the data marketplaces, first of all, um, I don't like a lot this you know notion of um, data marketplaces. Also, there is a need to um, increase the liquidity of the market because data consumers are not sufficiently aware of um, what's available of the use cases of the application, and we'll talk about this, I guess. But data vendors struggle basically to address the market it requires um, huge marketing investments lots of salespeople opening sales offices in in europe if you're a u.s data provider so i fully understand you know this need for data marketplace the the thing is that um you are not selling and buying data like you would sell uh, shoes or books because um, data is a very specific asset. So we, I do, you know, see more Stars Data as a community platform where you can um, increase your knowledge um, or increase your brand awareness to towards uh, end users, and where we provide some specific tools to ease. Um, the access to the data or is the purchasing ex, uh, experience. So in a nutshell, um, yes, we are a marketplace, but with a different... You're, more, you're, you're a lot more than that as well. You're, yes. a, you're a kind of, you're a consultant as well and you're, you'll help answer questions and you will, you're a place where information yes. can be found around data. So you're an entire um, data kind of, um, yeah, uh, yeah, I can't think of a good combining word for all of that but you're kind yeah. of a data you're 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 an answer to all the all the data questions speaking about marketplaces i'm always a little bit suspicious actually about the term of marketplace because um marketplace is part of the uh, the activity of stars data because we want to uh, increase the, the liquidity of the data market um, if you are a data consumer you cannot be aware of the millions of potential applications of the hundreds of thousands sources available. If you are data vendors, um, and especially if you are in the US and want to grow in, in Europe, it's incredibly hard. You need to invest in marketing, you need to hire some salespeople, open some specific offices and so on. So yes, there is something to do. But actually, um, marketplace is just part of our activity. And the other reason why I'm bit suspicious about marketplaces is that uh, we don't want to stick with the the current business model of marketplace um, which is either about you know selling some cloud uh, services you know, like amazon web services or snowflake mm. 
um, with another approach. Um, so the approach that we, we have is really agnostic and we make um, you know, our, our portfolio available through a, a no-code platform and through API. So if you're a data scientist, you can access um, all of the data that you purchase, uh, all of the connectors that you're using on stores data with one API. On the other side, uh, we do not want to uh, apply this, I think, stupid uh, commission model where basically you're going to create a connection between one data provider and uh, a potential lead. And if this is successful, you're going to ask between 10 and 30 percent uh, of commission to uh, the, the data vendor. Uh, I don't think that it's something that um, is scalable first. Uh, second, it creates some, you know, conflicts uh, with data vendors because, you know, they create contacts with uh, potential leads. So bottom line, you have to hunt uh, for, for commissions. And so we prefer this system where you basically pay for a subscription and based on this uh, fixed price subscription, you have an unlimited uh, number of qualified leads uh, coming to your mailbox. And that's the reason why I'm always, you know, suspicious about this terminology of marketplace where basically uh, the amount of profits that you create um, uh, as a marketplace is proportionate to uh, the volume of sales that you generate for data vendors, which is really not our approach. So the data provider is paying you for leads. Is the data buyer and so the data buyer is not giving you a cut of the of the you're not taking a cut of the purchase price from the data buyer yeah so the 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 first thing is that um i i do think that you know for communities like like stars data you you have to set up things um in a way that the service could be theoretically um be used for free so the first thing is that you know for um, data users and data vendors, um, you, if you want, you can use the, the service for, for free. You do not have to, to pay to be referenced on Stars Data. You do not have to pay for, for using the search engine or to uh, create your collections of, uh, of assets on, on Stars Data. So first thing is that I'm a proponent of this you know, free community model, which is called open source um, in um, other environments. The second piece is that, uh, yes, we have this uh, subscription model. Um, so basically, we have two offers. One is basically um, uh, allowing you to uh, identify either alternative uh, providers of data. So you know, if you, if you work with PitchBook and you want to find alternatives, so qualified alternative to PitchBook, we, we make the service payable. Also, theoretically, you could do that without paying for the subscription. But we are using, you know, uh, artificial intelligence to provide much more relevant um, uh, results for, for, for this. And we make it, by the way, the same available for data vendors, because when you talk to data vendors and ask for their competitors, they do not know them, actually. So I won't give the name, but a couple of days ago, I, I spoke to a, a very large provider of uh, firmographic data. And guess what? They they were not aware about the existence of People Data Labs. Mm. Yeah, and so that's something that they 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 want to to access. And as you mentioned, we have this um, subscription model where we basically, uh, on one hand, for data providers, so we have this uh, unlimited number of leads. So whatever the number of leads that you received on your mailbox with qualified information about the buyer and the request. Uh, it, it's a fixed price. And on the other side, so we are going to uh, 
by the end of the year, uh, we need a, a pay-as-you-go model uh, for data consumers. So you'll see um, uh, probably in, in November uh, this year, um, the service will make it possible to consume um, any source of data theoretically available through APIs, um, but available through uh, business uh, users. So people who are not able to, to use APIs. And we, um, we basically uh, are going to, to make that possible uh, either um, by paying uh, API uh, directly from the data vendor. So if you want to use the, uh, the API from Standard & Poor's, for instance, uh, you'll be able to uh, buy API keys to uh, Standard & Poor's and just uh, insert them into uh, our platform. Or if you want to uh, basically take advantage of, of more attractive price points for cer certain vendors, you'll be able to um, buy them directly from, uh, from Stars Data. Just pulling it back a little bit to the marketplace question, because I see it as, as um, a broader question, which is, what is the way that people are going to discover data? Um, and as you you touched on previously, then perhaps you could point towards um, the catalog model, the kind of a, a standard and pause cat was the example you use catalog yeah. model as being perhaps where we're coming from, and it and potentially and and in the um, alternative data side particularly, I think there are there are various catalog companies who you could still are still a lot of people's kind of go to. Um, for where to get their data from, or where to where to discover their data, you know how to how to have the idea, um, and then as you say, we've got various data marketplaces which are trying to set themselves up as being just a a discovery kind of place where it's kind of matching. So there are smaller companies. Um, I've I've had one from Europe on my on my podcast before, which has kind of emerged as trying to be trying to be that. Um, but also, as you mentioned, some of the cloud services companies have spotted that um, the data is already in the cloud, already in their cloud. Um, and so it's it's relatively easy, easy for them to just wire two clients together um, and it can all happen in the cloud. And so they can so the discovery can perhaps happen within them and between their clients. Um, are you, you you don't sound convinced by the cloud um, data discovery model? Uh, where how do you see? Um, and I don't think I don't think uh, just to be clear, I don't I don't necessarily I don't think that's one. You know, I think it's 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 new and it's been new for a while, and I don't think there are clear signs yet that it's one or or is or is even winning. Um, but w where do you see this market developing in terms of how will people? discover data and and as amb ambitious as you are it would be lovely if stars data was the final solution to the entire market but um i mean maybe that is maybe that, that is your answer and your and this is where your niche is but how do you how do you see that um serving the whole market yeah a couple of days ago um, we uh, we had a, a showcase with uh, with VC because we, we are preparing the, the next uh, fundraising. And um, I have this uh, recurring question, which is on, okay, Matthew, you have a, a generalist model and what type of data are you going to focus on? What, what type of clients are you going to focus on and so, and so on? Um, so, you know, le le let's go back uh, in, in 1995. Um, do you imagine that Jeff Bezos was, mm. you know, in... Uh, 
intending <laughs> to focus on a specific kind of books uh, and <laughs> a specific t type of books, buyers, and so on, I, I don't think it's serious. Actually, so if you look at the current marketplaces, um, first, uh, I think that, you know, on our sites, the, the cloud providers and uh, um, the upper layer of cloud providers, I'm thinking about Snowflake, Databricks, and so on, actually our best friends because um, those companies are helping large corporates organizing their data assets and making them discoverable. And so that's, that's huge because at the moment, most companies are not aware about what they currently have internally. And to us, it's a critical point to perform the best recommendation. So you should see Stars Data as a, as a kind of recommendation engine for data, actually. We take into account the use cases, um, the type of users, because if you are a data engineer or if you are a consultant, you do not have the same expectations uh, on data. You do not have the same capabilities. And of course, uh, the type of data that you already have. And it can be internal data that you generated by yourself, or it can be external data. So we are more like a single pane of glass. That's what uh, Puya, our CTO, would say to you uh, to, to today. Um, but it's July 4 uh, when we record that. Um, mm. Yeah, he's always talking about um, this notion of single pane of glass, which is very important today when you want to access external data. The problem today is that um, data users uh, are basically obliged to um, use the same Stupid categories, I should say, because if you look at the current marketplaces, um, even the you know extremely complex marketplaces, the, the categories that you have are static, and usually you have like fifteen or twenty categories, may, maybe some more. In some cases, you have two hundred categories. The problem is that those categories are static and set by the, the marketplace. We do think that um, the power has to go back to the, the end users and. Um, you know, making it possible to create collections, for instance, uh, on the platform such as Stars Data is, is a revolution. Actually, the, the end users are able to create their own uh, ontology, we say um, in French, so their own categories. And basically, thanks to our um, machine learning algorithms and so on, you're able to quickly spot um, the data assets that you should use for your use case or your um, data capabilities. So, so in summary, um, you're, you think that the question, the, the market is, is crying out for someone to do this right, essentially. The reason why it's a question is because um, no one has solved it. And, and you know, Stars Data has got a, as, good a, as good a chance of anyone else as being the one um, who, could, who, can, who can be. You know, there is, there is um, you, just need to, you just need to shape your, your offering right and you'll be, uh, and, and, and why not? It's a new, it's a new market. It's, it's obviously huge. There's, there's a, it's, a, it's a problem that will need to be solved in a, in a big way. And, and, um, and yeah, so I think that's a very, it's a very, very positive approach. And, yeah, um, and who, who, who can say you're wrong, you know? No, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, but it's very hard huh, to, uh, to, to be clear. We, uh, we created the, the, the company back in October 2020. Um, mm -hmm. You have to always iterate with data vendors, data buyers, and so on, check assumptions. Um, so it's, uh, it's a very complex thing. Um, there are already uh, very good companies uh, across the, the, the board, basically, to uh, help you identify relevant sets of data. Thinking about, you know, the European scene, uh, I think that you interviewed uh, already, already uh, DataRad, for instance. DataRad is, is yes. doing a good job, huh, basically. They, they have a pretty good catalog. Um, and I like to speak about 
what could be named as competitors, but actually we are more like co-competitors. You know, you have Data mm. Rad in um, in, uh, in Germany, um, in the US you have uh, DataBar.ai, which is a place where you can um, uh, directly access data. So those initiatives are pretty small uh, at the moment. Mm. Um, it's um, it's a complex thing to uh, attract VCs because the economics of data are not well understood, uh, unfortunately, at the moment. Mm. But when I'm listening to Lynn Schneider from uh, from IDC, I realized that there is a place um, because she she gave us this interesting feedback. She told us that um, actually uh, vertical marketplaces so far have been more successful and actually more sustainable than generalist marketplaces. Ge generalist marketplaces, usually, they manage to attract a huge audience, a huge number of data providers providing their data catalogs and so on, but they blow up because there are too many things available. So yeah, that's yeah. You know, the, the Lego experience. So that's our job, basically, and our challenge uh, to have the best recommendations for, for, for the clients. So far, so good. We did that with uh, with a team of talented people, you know, to provide this uh, this recommendation, and hopefully, uh, um, the end users will be happy with our experience, and we build up something different. I'm sure they will, Mathieu. Um, well, best of luck with it. It's uh, you've 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 chosen a big problem to solve, and um, and it's it's a very very exciting one. So, um, best of luck with it, and uh, thank you very much for coming and and sharing your 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 thoughts and introducing the company today. Thank you, Mark.